you have to love what you're selling. You've got to love it so much that you feel like you'd be doing the world a disservice if you didn't if you didn't bring it to them. Welcome to Honest E-Commerce, where we are dedicated to cutting through the BS and finding actionable advice for online store owners. I'm your host, Chase Clymer. And I'm your host, Annette Grant. And we believe running an online business does not have to be complicated or a guessing game. If you are struggling to scaling your sales, Electric Eye is here to help. To apply to work with us, visit electriceye.io slash connect to learn more. And let's get on with the show. On today's episode of Honest E-Commerce, we welcome the CEO and founder of Road ID as he shares with us how his company saved $1 million a year moving to Shopify Plus. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Honest E-Commerce. I am sitting here next to Annette Grant, who can't plug in wires. And today... (laughs) (laughs) So we're delayed getting started because I I messed every single wire up that we could. But we're we're live now. We're here. We're here. We're back with another founder story. These are awesome. These are super fun. You get to hear from people that have a real-life business. This isn't fake. So anyways, without further ado, I would love to welcome Edward to the show, another Ohioan. Edward comes to us from Road ID. It's an amazing product. And uh, he's going to kind of give us that history right now. So take us back 19 years to the start of the business uh, and kind of what brought you here today, I guess. Chase, Annette, uh, thank you for having me on the show. I do want to correct one thing. You called me an Ohioan. <laughs> oh, no. And I, you know, I am very near the city of Cincinnati, Ohio, but I am on the bourbon side of the river. Uh, so I'm on the Kentucky oh, side. Oh, okay. I didn't know that either. Awesome. Proud, proud Kentuckian. Uh, and happy to, happy to be here today. And you know, thanks for teeing up the you know, how it all started uh, conversation. That's a story I love talking about uh, because it's pretty fun for, for me to look back 19 years, almost 20 years now. So in the world of e-commerce, you would consider us a dinosaur. Uh, but a dinosaur that hasn't gone extinct yet. So we're ever evolving and uh, and and trying to continue to uh, persevere in the world of digital commerce. But uh, it was 1999. I was a college senior training for a marathon, and because I was a good college student, I would make that obligatory call home to the folks every every uh, couple of weeks or so. And during one of those calls, I I told my dad that I was training for a marathon, and this first. His first uh, response was Mer- Merrill what? And I, <laughs> I had to assure him that it was a marathon training. And his immediate reaction well, was, that sounds kind of silly. You're, you're training to run 26.2 miles and, and you're doing it on these country roads uh, out in the middle of nowhere, 16, 18 miles at a time on the weekend. And uh, I assured him that I was being safe and taking all the necessary precautions. Uh, but he didn't necessarily believe me. He, he had a selfish concern, which was, if you have an accident while out there training uh, on these country roads, like well, how would I, as your father, get uh, even know about it? How would they contact me? And, and he was right. Like you, you go out for a, a run and you take your running shoes and shorts and t-shirt and that's it. You're certainly not carrying any ID with you. But and he, back in those he, days, you didn't have an iPhone. You had your Walkman most likely with you. So no one really <laughs> knows who you are. There's no like ice in your iPhone you know, that they can call in case of emergency. That's right. Yeah, that, that didn't exist. So uh, there I was uh, training on a rural road in Kentucky. Uh, we got plenty of those around here. And it was an 18-mile Saturday run. It was the 
the weekend, the Saturday after I had that call with my dad where he was worrying about my safety and he actually asked me to take ID with him, with me, in case I had an accident. And on a country road, speed limit 55 miles an hour, there's, I see this truck coming towards me and it keeps coming and it doesn't seem to be getting over and it keeps getting closer and it still doesn't seem to be moving and it keeps getting closer. And at the last minute, I realize, oh my God, this truck doesn't see me. So to avoid being hit, I jump off the side of the road. I find myself in a ditch thinking, uh, you know, thinking, oh my God, that was close. And I, I had two very scary realizations that day. One was I could have been hit by that truck. I could have been unconscious, uh, maybe in a local hospital, fighting for my life, literally at a time when you would want people by your side. Like nobody would know who I was. They wouldn't know how to how to contact my folks or my friends or other family members. They wouldn't know how to access medical information. They wouldn't even know what to call me. I'd be a John Doe in a local hospital. And that really, that really freaked me out. My dad's idea of carrying ID started to make a little bit of sense, which leads me to the second and far scarier realization I had that day was that for the first time in 21 years of life, I might have to admit that my dad was actually right about something. <laughs> so if you've been there before, you know how scary that can be. But it was a few months after that, like I said, I was a senior in college. And uh, you know, I was trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life. I always knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur, but I didn't know with what. And I had that love for that entrepreneurial love because my father was one our whole life. He's your prototypical visionary moving from one idea to the next before you know one would get, uh, gain traction. So he wasn't necessarily financially successful, but he loved what he did. So I saw that love in his eyes every day as a kid, and I knew I wanted some of that. So armed with uh, two credit cards. That's all we had. We were both broke. I was a, uh, I was a broke college student. My dad was a broke adult, but we had these two credit cards that we got because I filled out the credit card applications uh, outside the school cafeteria because I wanted the free t-shirts that came with them. Uh, I had these credit cards and we decided we were going to start a business. Uh, we were going to make a product, a wearable ID that runners, cyclists, triathletes could wear that would communicate who you are, who to contact, and how to access medical information in an emergency. So we launched our first uh, e-commerce store a little bit after we launched the company. So in 2000, our first store went uh, went live, and uh, that night we uh, we processed. Uh, we took in 19 orders. And I woke up in the morning with my heart, arms in the air, thinking, "Oh my God, this e-commerce thing is amazing. We're going to be rich." Uh, but I realized uh, pretty quickly that those 19 orders were actually one order. <laughs> I was going to ask, how did you get that much traffic that quick <laughs> in 1999? Yeah, so 19 orders, uh, one order duplicated 19, uh, 19 times. So my first order of business as an e-commerce entrepreneur was to figure out how to credit a, a credit card 18 times. So we, my dad and I, you know, we sat in his leaky basement uh, in northern Kentucky. And we thought, well, if we could just help one person in an accident, you know, one person get the right help at the right time, improve the outcome of the accident and emergency situation, and all the effort, the blood, sweat, and the tears, the working for no money, uh, the working two jobs just to pay the bills, all of that would be worth it if we could help one person. And so I'm going to flash way forward now. Here it is, almost 20 years later, in 2019. And it's not an exaggeration when I say that every day, Somebody is reaching out to us saying, thank God for my road ID. And those stories range in scope from, I tripped over a curb, I was relatively okay, but didn't want to ask, answer all the, the first responders' questions when they started peppering me with them, to uh, parents have told us that they've gotten reunited with their children at Disney or at major theme parks because they got separated and the kid's wearing a, a road ID 
that has the parent's phone number on it, to cyclists that have a, a car collision or collision with a car, and they say they wouldn't be alive today if it weren't for the information on their road ID and the access that uh, it gave first responders. To very tragic stories, we had a, we had a mom post on our Facebook page, and these are these are hard for me to talk about, but. Mom posts on her Facebook page that uh, because her son was wearing one when he got hit by a car, that she was able to get to the hospital in enough time to hold her son's hand to tell tell him she loves him one last time. And so, you know, not to take us to a very sad place, but you know, we we are very mission why focused here at Road ID, and it's because what we are doing helps save lives. It uh, it fuels adventure and it brings lots of peace of peace of mind to people. So that's how we started. We're you know we're 19 years, 20 years later. We are an eight-figure uh, uh, e-commerce company with about 40 folks, and our stated dream or uh, vision is to see the day when wearing ID is as common as strapping on a seatbelt. Which, if you think about it, is a paradigm shift that has occurred in the recent decades. Not unlike wearing bike helmets is a paradigm shift in safety that has occurred recently, and even more recently, uh, helmets on the slopes. Is a paradigm shift in safety that has occurred, uh, you know, just in the last half decade. Yeah, that is a wild ride that you shared with us there. Um, yeah, I okay. So I'll let the listeners know that we met in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, you came out to one of our meetups, and I heard this story before, and I was like, "All right, we're like we're starting a podcast. You have to be on our podcast. You have to share that with our audience." Yeah, I feel like we could like this could probably be broken down in like six episodes because that could be an episode in itself. Just the the beginning there. I do have a question. Did you finish your first marathon? I did. Awesome. It wasn't very fast. Uh, it was right at the four hour mark, but I, I did finish it. Hey, if you're in the product making business, then we've got great news for you. Katana is here to make your life easier. There's now a Shopify app built and designed for merchants that make their own products. Manage your sales, orders, raw materials, production schedule, inventory, and material purchasing all from one dashboard. The name of that app is Katana. K-A-T-A-N-A. Katana is designed for makers, crafters, and small manufacturers selling on Shopify. Until now, product makers selling on e-commerce have had to settle with messy spreadsheets or regular inventory management software. We know they both usually suck if you need to make your own products. Fortunately, Katana is built from ground up with the needs of a small manufacturer in mind. Production scheduling and inventory management has never been this easy for Shopify merchants. A recent survey shows that 93% of Katana's users say they love it because of the ease of the setup and how intuitive it is. To try Katana for free, sign up at www.katanamrp.com. That's K-A-T-A-N-A-M-R-P.com. Or search Katana on the Shopify app store. There's a 14-day free trial. You do not need a credit card. And when you're signing up, use the promo code HONEST to get 30% off your first three months of a paid subscription. Check out Katana today. So in the pre-show, somehow Edward got got out of my process and we actually didn't have any notes for this episode and we're like kind of doing it on the whim. But you know, we're honest over here. It's in the name. <laughs> uh, so... They are now on Shopify, but you weren't before. And tell us about building your own e-commerce solution. Yeah, if you think about it, uh, year two thousand, as I indicated, our first store, like there were not platforms. If you wanted to sell online, you had to build it. Shopify, I think, was launched in two thousand six, and Magento came online in two thousand and eight. So they weren't they weren't around. They weren't even uh, conceived of at that time. Nor was any platform for that matter. So. If you wanted to sell online, you had to build it yourself. So, uh, so we did. 
And even as platforms started evolving, uh, they weren't a great fit for us because we still have customized product. You have to be in five to seven lines of customized text that allow your uh, road ID to be produced. So uh, for a long time, we just thought well, we're going to be we're going to be custom bespoke forever. And it wasn't just our our store; it was our pick, pack, and ship software. It was our order management. It was our engraving software. Everything that it takes to run an e-commerce business, we built from the ground up, which meant that it was highly tuned for our specific need and for our customer's specific need. It also meant that it was really expensive. As we had to employ a team, you know, I think if you uh, if I think back to I don't know. 2010 or so, we probably had six or eight uh, uh, engineers on staff building our suite of applications. And so about 2016, we started to say, okay, well, maybe a platform will work for us. And we, we did a really deep dive into lots of different platforms from Agento to Shopify to BigCommerce. And if you, like, if you can name it, uh, we tried it. And we went down a particular path of something that we thought was going to be uh, really good for us and really extendable for us. And it was an enterprise solution. And it was really expensive. I think we had you know, three or, about $300,000 invested in it before we realized that it just wasn't going to work for us. Like it, and, um, and we pulled the plug. So $300,000 $300, down the tubes or mostly down the tubes. We did learn a few things along I wanna, the way. I want to stop you right there. Yeah. How mad are you about spending that money to know that to, right now, knowing that pulling the plug on that was the right business move? Oh, I don't, I don't think about it at all. Like, if you were to tee up a question and say, like, what's, what are one of your business, uh, biggest business mistakes? Like, that might make the list, um, but probably not. I mean, it was, it's, it's just part of the learning process of being in, in business. We thought this was the right step. We went down that path. It ended up being it uh, being the right step. Like the important, very important lesson for us was that you have to be disciplined enough to realize you've made a mistake. Yep. Like, so that's the lesson. Oh yeah. I want to pull that out right there. That's the lesson right there. First lesson of the episode is it doesn't matter how far down the rabbit hole you've gone, you can always pivot and fail fast. You don't want to be failing for five years. You want to be. You want to realize you failed and pivot and move on to the next. Iteration of whatever the concept or idea, um, but yeah, just just because you've invested a big amount of money in it, if in your gut you know it's wrong, pull the plug. And I want to ask: normally, when someone has a custom built site, Edward, they never even look at a different solution. I feel like they have an ego about it. When I talk to people about Shopify, sometimes like, oh, my site's custom. It's custom. Like their one developer is going to be better than this like amazing ecosystem <laughs> that Shopify has built. So wh- I want to know why why you even transitioned to think there was a different solution besides the custom that you'd worked for. It sounded like what sixteen years or so at this point in time to build. Like why were you pivoting away from your custom solution in the first place? Yeah, that's an easy answer. Uh, in the the answer is that we were so early to e-commerce in 2000 that we were setting conventions. Like I like to think that we invented a few e-commerce conventions that exist today, like shopping cart abandonment. I'll just use that example. Like that, that came about because I walked into our uh, senior developer's office 
And I said, hey, you know, we, we capture email addresses for people that, uh, you know, as they move through the purchase journey, right? Yeah. Well, if they don't finish their order, would we be able to send them a link and have them like come back to the store and recreate that for them? Yeah. Well, how long would that take? I don't know. I could probably have done this afternoon. Well, let's do that. And so this wasn't something that we saw uh, or experienced somewhere else. It was something that just that came to our minds. And I'm sure we weren't the only ones who invented it at that, type, uh, at that time. You know, things have a tendency of, of being thought about uh, in different places of the world at the same time. But, you know, we, we did our own shopping cart abandonment, which really is, is an example to say that we were driving, we were moving faster than platforms were moving. So, you know, back 2006, Shopify comes on board, uh, 2008, uh, Magento, we were already ahead of them. Until we weren't. So then, you know, there are then things start happening like uh, browse abandonment or, uh, you know, customers also love. We're like, yeah, we could do that. We could build all that, but it's not on the roadmap right now. And there are more important things in front of it. So then you get pa- a few conventions come and they pass you by and you start getting frustrated. And you say, well, we, we could probably solve this by throwing a few more engineers at the problem, but that's really expensive. So it becomes a cost benefit. Uh, it became a cost benefit analysis, and the need to keep up. So your point, Annette, about you know shipping, uh, you know switching to a platform where they have big teams of people working hard on the platform to stay current and to drive conventions. Like we started seeing that, so we knew we needed to switch because we didn't want to keep falling behind. And uh, we by 2015, we were definitely falling behind. So is that when you made the switch? Was 2015? 2015 is when the, uh, the search began. Okay. And then, so, w- so when did you guys end up on Shopify? How long have you we been We ended on? up on Shopify in... We launched our store in September of 17. So it took a little while. I remember, we had, that, uh, we had that mistake where we invested all that money on an enterprise solution. Uh, that made us a little bit of gunshot. A little bit of gunshot. We came back in and said, well, maybe, you know, maybe it's just best if we keep... Uh, innovating our existing platform. And then what we did, the real turning point for us was we had a, a smaller store where we ran an event sponsorship program out of. And it was it was really outdated, but we were never going to get around to it because it wasn't the it wasn't core to our business. And what we did was said, okay, let's let's just Shopify with that little store. And two days later we had a store up and running. And we're like, huh, that that was easy. Could we possibly do our custom product on Shopify also? So we became a Shopify Plus customer and set about building uh, a store that could take our... The, you know, we had to extend Shopify a bit to do the customization of our IDs, but that was relatively easy too. So now we get the massive advantage of having a company with dozens, if not more, engineers working every day on innovating and extending a platform uh, along with a massive audience of app developers. And that all comes for free. We don't, we don't have to have a team of six, eight, 10 software engineers uh, driving it. So this would be my, you know, my, my perhaps the second, you know, write this down moment of, of this conversation, which is if you're not on Shopify, you're making a big mistake. Support for our podcast comes from our friends at Simpler 
a new way to staff 24-7 sales and customer service on your e-commerce store. It works with your existing email and chat platforms, so setup is quick and easy. Simpler's network of on-demand, US-based Simpler specialists are standing by to answer your customers' most common questions. Set it up for free today and then turn it on or off depending on your customer volume. You only pay $2.25 for every resolution. No hidden fees, contracts, or minimums. Close more sales with Simpler by staffing your email and live chat around the clock with Simpler specialists. Start your free 7-day trial at simpler.ai slash honest. That's S-I-M-P-L-R dot A-I slash honest. Can you fathom like some numbers here? So what... Like the savings going to plus on just salaries alone for those employees. Like how much are you saving a year versus... And then you can even take out the cost of plus a month. And I mean, also, you should probably add in the savings of not having to pay for your server space anymore, not having to pay for your, uh, your SSLs and all the traffic stuff. Uh, what, 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 is, what do you think your net gain from this move was as far as it's savings? At least, it's at least a million dollars. A year? More. Is that a million a year you were saving making this switch? Yes. That's why you don't <laughs> want to... Do anything custom. That's like what people come to us all the time, like asking, they're like, We I got this really awesome idea that I want to do this thing on my website. And I'm like, cool, yeah, we can do that. We're gonna use this to solve for it. And they're like, Oh, like, why don't we do it custom? And then I just I'm just gonna point them to this episode now. Right. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, by the time you figure in the uh, the cost of hosting, like you said, and the cost of the engineering team that's needed to do it, and just uh, like opportunity costs. So how much of my time as founder and CEO was spent trying to think of the trying to roadmap? I don't have the roadmap anymore. Like, yes, we still roadmap for Shopify, but it's a different type of roadmap. It's and it's a lot easier. Yeah, no. If you're not on Shopify, massive mistake. Get on get on Shopify. We it's such a big disparity, Chase. That I don't even know what we pay for Plus. Like, <laughs> I love small. that. That's it's it. It's so small in comparison to what we were paying. Like it doesn't even register on my radar. That's that's when you know you're with the right solution. Is when you you would you don't even think twice about what that monthly fee is. You're like, I would pay it. I, it it's worth every penny, even if they were to charge us more. So that's that's right. a testament there too. What is what is it? You guys probably know. It's it starts at a thousand a month. Yeah, so we're a thousand a month for plus, <laughs> as and, opposed to more than a million. Yeah, insane. So let's. So you made the switch. Let's talk about current day right now. Like, what are you excited about? Because obviously, you've chosen the right platform. You're there. You've chosen the right product. You're 20 years in. What are you excited about? How do you keep coming back to work every day? What's the technology things that are are keeping you, you know, wanting to come to work and not just sell the whole company? Um, Well, I think you know. First and foremost, it's why we exist. And we exist to save lives by peace of mind and, and fuel adventure. And I can't understate that enough. Like that's what, you know, everybody that comes to work here, that's why they show up every day. So we think very, you know, if you if you've not seen Simon Sinek's Golden Circle video, go watch that because it really helps you understand like why you are uh, in business. And we're a very why focused company. So first and foremost, that. Like the other thing that makes me excited. Um, and this comes from getting off track. We were, we were for a little while and then f- realizing we lost our way and had to get back on it. So we've been customer obsessed since, since day one. 
you know, obsessing about the uh, customer journey. In fact, the way we state it is that uh, at Road ID, our stated goal is to deliver a product, service, and customer journey so blindingly awesome that our customers can't help but share it. Now, this has been, will always be the most powerful growth lever that you can have. You know, if you think about brands you know, and Shopify brands that have seemingly exploded overnight, like Allbirds or Third Love or Pura Vida, like, do they have effective digital cam- marketing campaigns? Sure. Like a network of influencers, no doubt. Uh, but they're not growing like crazy because they're really savvy, savvy digital marketers. They're growing like crazy because their customers love them. And when the customers love you, they shout from the digital rooftops of social media. And they will, I like to say, they would show up to a knife fight for you. And like that knife, like we coined knife fight customer service many years back because we had, uh, we had an experience where one of our customers was slamming us in a forum. Several of our customers sent into our customer service team and said, Hey, this guy is really beating you guys up over in this popular bike forum. And I was immediately offended having not even read it. I went over the bike forum. I checked it out. This guy, what he said was, was about us was, uh, like was emotionally painful for me. And I was getting ready to respond. But before I responded, I looked at hundreds of comments from our customers that were coming to our defense. And they were telling this guy, dude, you got it all wrong. Rodarty is an amazing company. If you have a problem with them, just reach out to them. And they're going to take care of it. It's that simple. And so I'd say if you treat your customers right, if you stand out in the sea of vanilla, then customers will really show up to a knife fight for you. Like they will solve your problems because they'll want to communicate with you and say, Hey, I noticed this thing that didn't seem quite right for you. Like, I want to make sure you address it. They will, they will solve your, your customer, they'll solve your problems and they'll help you grow your business. They're going to tell all their friends about it. So I think it's vitally important that you do business as people and not as a business because customers, they don't want to buy from a company. They want to buy from people. And so, I could go on and on about that point specifically, but I started this by saying we kind of went wayward and we came back. So for a couple of years, we we got a little vanilla. And guess what? Like business suffered because while we were still delivering a great product at a great price and delivering sound service, we weren't remarkable. And when I say remarkable, I don't mean like uh, you know great. I mean remarkworthy. Like you have to do you have to do customer service so well. You have to nail the journey so perfectly that people want to tell people about it. So, you know, why focus obsessing about the customer journey? Those are like those are the top two. But I'll say like the thing that has piqued my interest most recently, and I'll slow down if you guys want me to slow down. Uh, no, no, no. We're, we're just quietly. You're, we're, you're we're taking <laughs> all of my talking points away from me. I'm like, oh shit, that's his show now. Yeah, it's good. Keep it going. Keep it going. <laughs> so like. My latest discovery is that the customer journey is messier than I thought it was. I, again, if you think back to 1999, people were still doing print ads a lot, newspaper a lot, radio a lot, TV a lot. And the only way to measure all that stuff was to look at revenue and say, did it go up? Like, do you just measure lift? And then digital commerce came along. You're like, well, we can measure stuff now. Like, I remember when the predecessor to Google Ads came out. Thing, this, this thing called Overture. And I was like, oh my God, I can, I can show up in people's search results and they can click that. And I know how much money I spent and I can also know how much I made. Like, this is amazing. And things were pretty straightforward for more than a decade. Like, you, could, you knew attribution wasn't hard. But 
because the customer ser- uh, the customer journey is messier than it has ever been, because there are so many devices, there's so many browsers, there's so many platforms, so many channels and marketplaces. I mean, you're not just selling on your e-com store in many cases, you're also on Etsy and eBay and Amazon. And so like, attribution is nuts. And I, I'll frame this up in a very real example that we had recently. We, we launched a product. In, in fairness, it's a product that we have that we never promoted. And so it was just kind of like riding along and, and doing a fair amount of uh, a low amount of sales for us. And we decided, you know what, let's, let's put some ad dollars behind this. And that was four months ago. In March, we did almost $100,000 of sale of that product. And we had, it went from almost zero to $100,000. But we can only attribute. We only have attribution for about half of it. So as we know, Facebook and Google and everybody else we're buying ads for, they want to to claim responsibility for as much as they can. Like Facebook is taking credit for sales that it shouldn't be taking credit for. Google is doing the same thing. We know that is true. And we have our our own internal own media. We're sending out emails. We have organic social uh, working for us. We have some influencers that are talking about it. But we can only attribute about half of that. What, what does that mean now? Like, if that is if that's real, then perhaps our our uh, paid media targets need to be lower. So we have a we have a ROAS goal for our paid media. Perhaps it needs to be lower. Perhaps there's actually even as hard as Facebook and Google are working to take credit for every sale, maybe they're not taking credit for as much as they ought to be. So that is like my latest discovery. Customer journey is is messier than I thought. Attribution, as a result, attribution is harder than ever, and perhaps we're leaving we're leaving money on the table. And at Road ID, we find it hard to talk about money because it's not about money; it's about making a difference in people's lives. So, uh, you know, we find we're, perhaps we're not making as much a difference in people's lives as we could be. Maybe we need to be spending more. On paid media. Yeah, that sounds like a fun challenge. Uh, data is confusing if you don't know what you're reading. It's uh, it's it's only it's the only place you can find the truth about business, though. That's true. No, you got you got to pay attention to the numbers. I mean, we obsess about about data. Uh, we have a formula here that I'm always surprised when e-commerce businesses don't understand or don't use it. But the formula for e-commerce is pretty simple. It's sessions times conversion rate. Times average order value equals revenue. Sessions conversion net average order value. You multiply those things together, and out the other side, you get revenue. Okay, so you know, sure. you know the proposal I was working on. Annette like was looking over by short. That's literally the page. It's in all of our proposals. It's like e-commerce boils down to these three KPIs. And like, yeah. if you do that for your own site, you're like, well, these numbers don't add up, like, because it's averages. But it's going to be within like a twenty percent margin of what you're doing online. Is that okay, Edward? Go over that. Say that one more time for our listeners, though. Slow. Sessions times conversion rate times average order value equals revenue. And you've got to obsess on them. If you're big enough, you obsess on them daily. If you're not big enough to spend that time on it, you obsess about them weekly. And if you're not able to obsess on them weekly, you're probably just getting started and your hair is on fire and you don't know what to obsess about. But those three metrics are vital to the success, the enduring success of an e-commerce company. And I, let me uh, 
Uh, let me break this down. I, w- I went to public school, so my math isn't all that great, but let me see if I can break this down in an example. So let's use round numbers. 100,000 monthly visitors, sessions. If your conversion rate is 2% and your average order value is 50 bucks, your revenue is going to be $100,000, right? So no one's checking your math, just to let you know. 2%. Nobody's checking your math over here. So yes, you're right. You're correct. $100,000 in revenue. Yep. But if you were able to move that conversion rate to 3%, from 2 to 3, and the average order value from 50 to 55, your monthly revenue goes up to $165,000. That's a 65% increase in monthly revenue by focusing on two metrics, conversion rate and average order value. And like what most of us want to do as e-commerce entrepreneurs, we want to go out and we want to get more people into the store. Mm-hmm. Let's tell the story to more people. Let's buy up. Let's spend more money on paid media. Let's figure out how to get more people to visit us and buy our product. Well, sessions isn't always the problem. Until conversion rate and average order value are tuned, sessions isn't your problem. And then when you get those three things dialed in, you have a regular process, a continual improvement process for those three metrics. Then you start thinking about. Things like lifetime value because it's all it's way easier to bring a customer back than it is to earn them the first time, mm-hmm. and referral rate like get them shouting from the digital rooftops about you, uh, getting get them promoting about your uh, your brand. So, you know, it's five metrics that we that we think about, but by far far and away the most popular is that first uh, equation. Do you have a loyalty program with your customers? We do, and it uh, we are actually just bringing it back. Okay. Uh, it was, we were looking, when we migrated to Shopify, it was one of the things that we lost. We had this very uh, finely tuned uh, loyalty program that we custom built, right? Like everything else. It was great. And it worked really well. We were looking at some data from uh, 2015, 16, and 17, or 15, 16, and uh, some holiday data recently. And we were trying to figure out what drove the most revenue uh, in, in those years. And one of the top revenue drivers in those years was our referral program, our loyalty program. So I guess referral and loyalty are a little bit different, but let's talk about it in terms of referral. It, one of the most, uh, one of the biggest revenue drivers for us. And then when we moved to to Shopify, we lost that because it was custom. And we tried a few, we tried one app that didn't work all that well for us. And we actually just recently launched with FriendBuy. And I'm really excited about FriendBuy's uh, capabilities. One of the unique things that they're allowing us to do that I didn't see with any other referral program was the ability to create a personal URL. That's the thing you share uh, for every customer as they buy. So we're going to hit an API on purchase. And we're going to sync that. uh, And they're going to send back that personal URL. And then we're going to sync that personal URL to our email service provider. And then every time we send an email to that customer, we're going to include the personal URL in it. Like it's not going to be bolt, you know, in your face, but we're going to remind customers with every email sent, whether it's transactional or or promotional in nature, that oh by the way, here's a personal, here's a here's a URL that you can share. That if you share, you earn something, your friend earns something. Uh, but we're going to be careful not to do to make it about the you get something, they get something. We're gonna what we're going to try to do is lean into the fact that. You should do this because it can make a difference in somebody's life. That's awesome positioning for a referral program. The personalization is crazy. I didn't even know that was possible. Everybody likes their name on things. Yeah. Yeah. So we were talking about... Just now, we were talking about kind of like some tips and tricks for what you guys have going on in the business. Uh, Is there anything else like that you'd want to 
uh, share that you found has really worked for you guys and your e-commerce success? Uh, like two or three things that you know are people that are just getting started out on their journey, or they they found that traction and they're trying to, to trying to turn up the heat. Like what they should be kind of thinking about or working on. Well, I I, uh, I talked about what's newest for me. That's the messy customer journey thing. I think the thing that before that that was newest is uh, is SMS. I would say SMS and Messenger, but I really think the opportunity is with S, uh, SMS. Like this is another one of those things that if you're not actively building your SMS list, you're going to miss the window of opportunity to leverage that channel because you know Gary V says it all the time. But as marketers, we love to ruin things, and SMS we're going to ruin real fast. <laughs> but right now we are getting uh, 20% uh, click-through rate. Or we're getting 70% uh, click-through rates that are earning about 20 cents uh, every time we uh, we send an SMS message to somebody. And it's you know it'll be we've got some creative ways we're thinking about growing uh, growing that list. But it's the it's the thing that's happening right now. SMS marketing is something that. Uh, that the people are tolerating, and if you're listening and you're not tolerate, like you you think that this is an abhorrent way to receive marketing messages, you're over forty years old. I guarantee it. <laughs> yeah, I think SMS is gonna be the new Wild West. Mm -hmm. uh, Agreed. So, do you are you using a specific app for that? Uh, we have uh, we've leveraged Atten Attentive. They are not. They don't. They integrate really well with Shopify. They don't have. If you go to the uh, app Store. I don't think you would find them there. So it's Attentive IO. We've had uh, had great success with them. We will likely start syncing these messages with our email service provider, who also gives us the capability to send uh, send SMS messages. So as as this evolves for us, we may we we may change the way that we send certain types of messages. So it won't just we'll have the ability. You know, Shopify provides out of the box the ability to do some. Uh, transactional messages via SMS, but we like to send all of our transactional and promotional emails out of the same platform so that we really understand the full communication picture better. Um, and you know, doing SMS out of that platform will help. So that that may be something we do eventually. Yeah, that's interesting uh, to think about. You definitely kind of want, and it, it helps sync the data in one place. You don't want to send necessarily a promotional. You know, we got our spring sale coming up, for example. It's one of the few times we discount our product in a year. And uh, the, the danger we're going to run into is that because our email service platform is not really synced with our SMS platform at this point, is that somebody could get our SMS notification and our email. Um, or we do SMS abandoned cart. So you could get our abandoned cart email and our abandoned cart SMS. Now, some people would say, "Don't worry about it. Like that's no big deal. Like it's a different channel. Some people will want to see both, and it's a better opportunity to reach them if you send both in the right." But it is something that we think about. Like we're very sensitive to our customers' uh, inboxes and messenger inboxes. We don't want to barnstorm them. We want to be the uh, the uninvited guest that when we show we show up, gets welcomed in the house. Not that uh, you know the the lights get turned out and they hide behind uh, the door so they don't see you. So we're very sensitive to to the, the amount that we message. Yeah, smart sending and making sure you're not annoying the person that has given you like the the green light to communicate with them is is crucial. I think it evolves with when brands evolve 
Yeah. So um, before the show, we spoke. Um, they don't do many sales, but they're going to do a coupon code for our listeners. If you go check out their amazing product, uh, it's going to be Honesty Commerce is the coupon code. No space. Edward, I, this was probably one of the funner ones. I'm not belittling any of our other guests, <laughs> but I, I really enjoyed this one. Uh, is there anything else that you want to share with our audience today? I, I think something that I've known inherently for a long time that I only recently found the ab- ability to articulate was that you have to love what you're selling. Um, you've got to love it so much that you feel like you'd be doing the world a disservice if you didn't if you didn't bring it to them. And I think that's that's important for a lot of reasons because you're going to get knocked down uh, a few times. Like I mentioned the you know the three hundred thousand dollar hit that we took on the platform. That's just one of many mistakes that we've made. You're going to make mistakes. Your business is like is hopefully going to have some great times, but it's undoubtedly going to have some hard times. And if you don't love what you're selling, you're not going to be able to get through those hard times. And you're not going to be bold enough to tell your customers why it's so great. So love love what you're selling. Uh, if you if you truly love it, it'll get you through the, the rough startup points. It'll get you through the lows that naturally come with business. And it will give you the nerve that it takes to to tell a customer that they that they act that they have to have. That's a great ending point to our yeah. episode. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Awesome. Thank you, Edward. We appreciate it. Check out yeah. Road ID. Awesome. Yeah, thanks guys. I really appreciate it. That honest e-commerce coupon will be good for five dollars off uh, any road ID of your choice. Thank you. We can't thank our guests enough for coming on the show and sharing the truth. Links and more will be available in the show notes. If you found any actionable advice in this podcast that you'd like to apply to your business, please reach out at electriceye.io slash connect. Please make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your podcast app of choice.